Hey, this is Marina, and you're listening to Sober Baby, a show about how the one thing I have to change is everything. Every Friday, I invite you to hang out with me and my guests on Instagram Live as we talk about addiction, sobriety, and everything in between. This is Sober Baby episode 17 with Jessica. She and I snuggle up on her soft sculpture this week and discuss what nine years sober looks like. You might notice a change in audio quality on this episode. That's because friends and supporters of Sober Baby helped me raise enough money to buy recording equipment for the show. Thank you so much. I don't even know what to say. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You'll notice that we're <laughs> we're in this like beautiful creation. I kind of just want to maybe like let you talk about it first and then we can get into the show. Like, okay. Should I talk show. about it now and then? If you yeah. want to just okay. like let everyone know. So yeah. So this is um, a tired body, which is a series of works I do um, that are primarily soft sculptures. So this is Big Mama, one of the first tired bodies. They're sort of like these abstract figurative soft sculptures. They are meant to sort of talk about a lot of different things, but primarily like our bodies in relation to culture, uh, particularly around labor and gender and ideologies around our bodily appearance and choices and things like that. Sorry, that's not the most eloquent. No, it's perfect explanation. It's perfect yeah. for people who are just listening to this and not watching this. Uh, Jessica and I are sitting in what? What color would you call this? Um, like fuchsia, like burgundy, burgundy. Yeah. Burgundy. We're sitting in like a big burgundy. We're sitting in a green chair, but then we're also sitting in that green chair in like this big burgundy soft sculpture. And like, I'm clutching the tentacle of one of them with my dear fucking life because I just need some emotional support today, man. <laughs> like, wow. Um, this is Sober Baby, and I'm Marina. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict, and any kind of thing you could think of, I'll try it, and I'll do it, and I'll love it, and I won't stop, and that's why I created this show, because um, I'm sober now, and I'm constantly kind of seeking out how to be a human and try to figure out what it means. Um, today, uh, Jess, Jessica is joining us for episode 17, and we're in the sculpture, so we're just starting out here. Um, I know we all like routine, but we're changing it up a little. Are you comfy in this little... <laughs> yeah, are you comfy? I feel like I'm comfy. Okay. I feel like I'm really I'm comfy, actually. As always, uh, I have my show notes, which I'm going to pull out, but I just want to open up with like a kind of a moment of deep gratitude. I'm speaking into a microphone that's on a mic stand with a new ring light and Jenny, who's connected through the audio cords to an audio recorder and all of that has been um, funded by people who watch this show. And that's just like insane to think that y'all did that. And um, thank you for believing in me and thank you for believing in Sober Baby. And um, if you haven't given and you can, or you have a rich aunt or uncle, send them the show, send them my Venmo and let's just like keep this going until, until like I die, right? Like let's just keep it going until the end. But yeah, I just wanted to like quickly talk about, let me see what I wanted to talk about. Oh, I want to just give a shout out to my friend Dylan, who I think is a month sober today. Dylan's in Australia. Dylan and I went to high school together. And um, yeah, we've just reconnected because of Sober Baby. And I'm totally honored that 
you have been like sober, maybe in like some way because of this show or in relation to this show, as you've told me. And I'm just really proud of you for being a month sober. It's fucking epic. Um, and if you're sober, let me know. Like, I want to celebrate you and shout you out and just like send me a, send me a DM. I would love to like name you if you want to be named and celebrated. Oh, this outfit. I need to definitely do a shout out about the outfit. This shirt was printed by my friend David, um, who runs a print shop out of his home space. It's called 99 print shop and y'all should support him. He hooked me up with this shirt and it has like an angel in the fetal position surrounded by barbed wire. And I don't know anything that's more me than that. Um, and these pants are Manu's from episode five. Manu, thanks for letting me borrow your pants. If you haven't seen Manu's episode, watch it. Cause it was really good. The next thing is that it's cancer season. I literally have that written down as number four. And it's just like, if anyone else is emotionally messed up, like, let me know in those comments. Like I'm here with you. I'm holding on to this sculpture for dear life. And, um, yeah, I just like want to name that, um, this version of sober baby that you see is a real version. It's genuine. I'm not lying to you. I think the guests are all very kind of like candid and, and open about what their experiences are. But, um, but yeah, like this is, this is like the sober baby Marina. You know what I mean? Like I'm like crying one second and like needing to go on a run the next second. And like, I'm, I'm a human and I do not have it figured out and I'm just one voice and one perspective. So please make sure that you're like supporting and listening to other people. And if you're curious about sobriety, just know that I'm, I'm just like one version of it. Right. So I do not have it figured out. And today I'm, I'm really reminded of that. Um, so the three assumptions of the show Part of the reason why I started this show is because someone told me you don't look like an alcoholic. And I was like, what does an alcoholic even look like? Um, but the first assumption of the show is that uh, anyone who struggles with addiction is not bad. You know, this idea that like we aren't a problem. Maybe we just have one. Um, I don't even really like the word problem, but like I am not a bad person for being an addict. I'm not like a failure. I'm not a loser. I'm not dumb. I'm not stupid. I'm not, you know, incapable. Like, in fact, I think like my addiction's empower me to like do amazing things and you know my brain is just wired a little differently um so yeah if I ever speak like in a way that frames addicts as bad on the show hold me accountable and be like yo that's not what you stand for um the second thing is that addicts don't look like anything but the intersections of identities um that make us up do impact how we move through the world so the fact that I'm white and the fact that I'm straight passing um definitely impact um how I move through the world as an addict and I have immense privilege and folks uh, of color and trans folks of color do not um, have access to rehabilitation facilities or can, you know, as easily outmaneuver police and prisons um, because of systemic racism. So yeah. And the third assumption is, I always forget it. What's the third assumption? The third assumption is, oh, addictions and sobrieties all, like, you, you guys should know this right now. The addictions and sobrieties all look different. So just because Jessica and I both don't drink alcohol doesn't mean that our sobrieties look anything alike. You know, it's, it's, I don't even want to use like a snowflake comparison or like a fingerprint comparison, but it's all different, right? We're all just like different humans trying to figure our shit out. And two of us are here today trying to do that together. So please join me in welcoming Jessica called us in Big Mama, the soft sculpture. I did that in one breath. Yeah. That was impressive. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like in a full sweat right now. What are you drinking today? 
Um, I am having an iced coffee beverage. It's a Starbucks espresso and cream double shot espresso. Oh my gosh, I said that twice. Um, premium espresso beverage. That's three espressos. So wow. That, which How much coffee do you drink? <laughs> probably too much. I probably drink about a pot of coffee a day. Oh, cool. So, That's cool. Yeah. Um, I also am just seeing that my friend Lexi just like dropped in the chat and Lexi's going to be on July 2nd's episode virtually because Lexi lives in New York. So if you don't know who Lexi is or what she does or what she's up to, come through next Friday at 5 p.m. We'll be here. Um, so yeah, we you've watched the show before. Yes, I've watched like a, a handful of episodes, um, like two or three all the way through and then a couple snippets here and there mm. of different episodes. So what yes. do you think? I think it's amazing what you're doing, I think, and what all the guests have done. And I think, um, you know, a big part of, like, who I am as a person and the way I work in the world is, like, talking about stuff. Am I allowed to curse on the show? Oh. Yeah, I've heard people curse. Okay, because I, yeah. I, like, I've been, like, at training for a student, like, a youth camp oh. all day. So I bet had to be, like, instead of saying, like, fuck, I'm, like, saying, like. Yeah, it's, like, sober punkin'. fucking baby. Yeah, so, okay, sober fucking baby. Okay, sweet. So, you know. So yeah, so a huge part of who I am is that like talking about things is what makes them have less power or more power depending on the need. So things that are stigmatized in society like addiction, um, like uh, different kinds of gender-based drama. Uh, do we do a, Do we need to do a- Oh, we need to do a content warning. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. I always forget. No, it's all right. Content warning for... Uh, sexual assault, suicidal ideation, trauma, and generally gender-based trauma. Yeah. So. But yes, but talking about those things is not a thing we've always done in our culture very publicly. I think that's changed mm. a lot since I started making the kind of work I make as an artist. But, um, and like then shows like this, a lot of the ways that we have conversations now have shifted the snick stigma around mm. those things. Mm -hmm. and that's And that's why this show is so amazing because you're basically like illuminating the reality, like reducing the myths and the misconceptions and mm. also just sharing something really personal that reminds people like you're not alone. Like a lot of, you know, it's not to say that your struggle is not unique, but in some ways like it's, there's this weird balance between being like what I, what I experience is unique, but also what I experience is what other people experience too. So I'm not alone and finding that balance through conversation and through things like this podcast or, or the, not, sorry, this, this show, not a podcast yet. Sorry. No, please. <laughs> it's like, it's like so vital. And I, and I think it's amazing. Yeah. Catch us on Spotify in July. Everyone <laughs> cannot wait for that. Thank you for saying that. That was a really generous like read of the show. Next time we'll do a roast. Um, <laughs> I'm not good at roasting. You can't have me on that episode. <laughs> Honestly, it's okay. Yeah, we'll do a sober baby roast at some point. It'll just be like all of my exes like telling me all the shit I did. But Oof. yikes. Um, yeah, I think ultimately the, uh, this show is just for me to be in relation to people and truly learn how to be mm -hmm. in a relationship with someone, even if it's just for this hour and not be trying to use that person, like learning how to just be, like I feel like we're in like an intimate space right now and it doesn't have to be anything more than that you know what I mean yeah um but you also identify because you don't drink that's right I do not drink when was the last time you drank um it would have been November 1st 2000 nine years ago November 1st oh shit uh, I was 20 I was almost 26 I was 25 because I was 10 days away from being 26 and mm. 
I mean, it's a it's a whole story, but it's the last day I drank was very dramatic. Which Please, is, uh, okay. you're okay. sober, baby. Tell us the fucking story. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I I was one of those drunks that was very I was very functioning as an alcoholic, or I am very functioning, mm-hmm. as, or I am still an alcoholic, but I was very functioning yeah. when I still drank, and so I um, would kind of go through these spurts of like, oh, I'm not going to drink at all, or I'm just going to like have a drink or whatever, and then I'd go I'd go like maybe two to three months that way Mm. and then I'd like have this like wild binge week where I'd like no matter what I was doing I'd just like black out every night for a week um and that was kind of the pattern (laughs) and I knew I like had a problem but I hadn't figured out how to deal with it Mm -hmm. and so I was very aware kind of like that I was struggling but I was making it work um what a crazy position to be in so but like because I'm not you know like like you were saying, alcoholics aren't dumb, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, in fact, they're probably too smart. Honestly, really smart. <laughs> yeah. And it was, like, this whole thing where I was, like, tricking myself into being, like, I'm just fine, and I can, like, make it work, and I'm, I go to work every day. I don't miss work. I, like, have this art career. I'm, like, you know, I have a rela- I have relationships. Right. I have a good relationship with all the people I know. Yeah. So I was very convinced that I was, like, making it work. Like nothing was burning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I hadn't hit, hit any point where it was, like, something's on fire and I'm, like, but was this really on fire? fucking up. <laughs> was this on fire? Oh, my God. <laughs> we, we, I'm sure we'll get to, like, talking about, like, how that cycled in with, like, depression, anxiety, and all the other yeah. things I was dealing with. But yeah. I definitely was, like, convinced it was just fine. And yeah. then – um and I had this job I loved. So I worked um, full-time for a nonprofit in Atlanta. Cool. And, um, and I was still, I was doing art stuff on the side, like not pretty much full-time as well. And I, this was still true in my life. I didn't sleep a lot and I just, I just did, I did. And I like kind of like always, I was, I and mean, this is how my life still is a little bit. And I'm like always kind of pushing and trying to make everything happen and just like pushing, 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 constantly going. Like if you had a time turner to, yeah. Oh there's yeah. There's not I enough would, hours in the day. Not enough hours. In the I day. feel that. Yeah. That's probably why we get along. Yeah. And, um, and this job that I had, they have this annual fundraiser that was, it's like a wine tasting fundraiser, a mm. huge deal, like 1200 a turn. It was a nonprofit legal pro bono job and like mm-hmm. 1200 attorneys from all over the city come once a year. There's wine tasting. There's usually some kind of like liquor tasting. And it was like such a great night. I like, I did great. I like didn't have too much wine. I didn't have too much whiskey. I was under, in control. It was fantastic. And then the whole staff decided to go to this karaoke bar and my like week weakness in life is karaoke I like will do it anytime anywhere with anybody what's your go-to karaoke song uh alone by heart wow mm-hmm. whoa yes yes okay uh I'll see you out there all right I'm I'm excited for karaoke yeah. I haven't been since the pandemic yeah let's do it although I used to host it on IG live at the start of the pandemic <laughs> so anyways okay I digress so we all decided to go to this karaoke bar, and uh, and I don't know why, but we got get there, and I'm like, I am not, like, I want to be more, I want to, I was like, I want to party with my coworkers, and yeah. instead of just, like, having a drink, which would have been sufficient, I decided to have, like, three shots of Patron in, like, less than 30 minutes, um, which is always, like, the at, at that point in my life was the nail in the coffin. It was less about how much I drank and how quickly, like, that was often totally. the, always. the trigger, right? Ugh. And I remember nothing about the rest of the night. Um, and I woke up at some strange time in the morning in a hospital, literally, um, and this is this still freaks me out thinking about it, but I was like tied to the hospital bed 
and I was obviously I was freaking out when I woke up, but I also was so drunk still that I didn't really know anything about who I was or what I was doing there. Mm. And when the nurse came over, cause she saw me struggling, she wanted to like help me. And she's like, who can I call? And I was like, well, I know, I know my dad's phone number, but I couldn't remember the number. Like it's the only phone number I still have memorized. And I like, couldn't like, I knew I should know it, but I like, didn't really know my name or who my dad was. I just knew that I should know his phone number and I didn't remember it. And I couldn't dial it. I tried to do it by memory, like just like physical memory. Oh, yeah. sorry. Even talking about this still freaks me out. So the nurse was like, why don't you just go back to sleep? She, she like untied me and she's like, why don't you go back to sleep and sleep a few more hours and we'll, 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 we'll try again in a couple hours. And so I did because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. And then I woke up again and this doctor was with the nurse and he was like such a dick to me. And I just remember like hating him and just being like, but he probably was also upset because I found out the reason I was tied to the bed is because I tried to fight all of the people in the hospital. Like yeah, I, you did. I, I, I used to get a little aggressive after a certain <laughs> point in drinking. And um, I think some of that is a self-preservation yeah. based on like previous, previous trauma from mm-hmm. when I was drinking. And so I like would just fight people. And apparently I tried to fight everybody in the hospital, but the doctor did have a phone number that my roommate had written down for me. And so Mm. I called her and she picked me up and it was like five o'clock in the morning. And I went home, took a shower and went to work still drunk probably. Um, But I was, I just was like, no matter what happens this morning after this night, I have to go to work Mm -hmm. or else I'm, I've failed and I am not okay. Mm. But at work, I knew I was so drunk still. And I like threw up like three times, which is not normal for me or wasn't even being that hungover or that drunk it's but it was there was like I guess I had just surpassed this level and so the whole morning I basically spent like six to eight hours deciding whether or not I was going to ever drink again and not just like one of those like oh I'm never going to drink again because I had a bed night things that a lot of people say it was like I don't think I can do this anymore yeah and so that was the day I quit drinking wow yeah. So you woke up in a hospital and you didn't know who you were Mm -mm. and I found out what had happened is my boss and my roommate had carried me to my roommate's car and then taken me home. And I guess when I gotten home, I'd like hit my head and had become unresponsive. So my roommate had called an ambulance that had taken mm. me to the hospital, which is when I apparently woke up and started fighting everybody. So I didn't get fired. I'm very, very lucky. My boss um, is also sober or my boss at the time was also sober and he was very, actually very sweet with me. And I'm oh, that's awesome. insanely lucky. Like I cannot tell you how lucky I am that it didn't turn out differently for me because I loved that job and it would have been devastating in a completely additional way to have lost it because of that. Um, but yeah, yeah. it's amazing how gracious people are like in retrospect, as I've kind of like reached out to people and offered them, you know, amends and like, you know, tried to acknowledge kind of who I was and what I was when I was in active addiction. It's, it's like become, just so crystal clear to me how gracious so many people were with me yeah. and how gentle. I mean, there were also people who were awful, right? But um, like bosses or like people, you know, me just continually coming into work late and constantly mm-hmm. being like, just just trying to pull it together. Like I felt like I was always, and what I kind of hear from your story um, is like when you trip over like a robe that you're wearing mm-hmm. and you're kind of just like almost falling all the time and you're like wearing it, yeah. you know, like you're tripping yourself over. And I don't know, I... I feel like a lot of people don't get sober after experiences like that, you know? I I don't think I knew what else to do. It was like, um, and I think I'm lucky. Um, 
I think I'm really lucky that that was enough for me because it could have been worse. You know, I could have been yeah. older. I was only 26 at the time. I could have been older. I could have been more addicted, like not more addicted, but like I could have been more in the throes of alcohol than I was. Like it right. was still primarily recreational or serving as a tool that like, you know, masked like my social anxieties or my insecurities and things like that. Mm -hmm. It hadn't become this thing that I was relying on to get through every day. Mm. You know, it's not like I was waking up drinking yet, but I, I think based on my family history and on the reality of the situation, if I had continued to drink, it would have eventually become something like that. I, I think. Yeah. Yet yeah. is a big word there. Oh my God. Yeah. Yet. I feel like yet is looming over my sobriety always. Yeah. So even now, even nine years. Like, later. yeah. In this conversation that we're yeah. having. Yeah. You have nine years of sobriety. Congrats. Ooh. That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. I mean, what's cool. I got, so I got, I haven't been sober for a year, but I also got sober at 26. Um, and so it's really kind of lovely to think about where you're at in your life now um being nine years sober and where if I stay sober where I might be too and like to give you a, an idea we are in like a beautiful home that's like covered in art that has like a studio and like a partner and like a, a lovely child that like brought us like the dolls and we just we were just <laughs> we were just greeted Jenny when I say we Jenny and I were like greeted with so much like love and like um good vibes when we got here and like I couldn't want anything more in my life you know and so it's uh, it's really just insane to like kind of look at all these things that you have. And I'm like, huh, probably should stay sober. So I could maybe like have something <laughs> like this too, you know? Yeah. Cause just the reality is that if I don't stay sober, like I'm not going to have anything. Yeah. I think a lot about what I wouldn't have today if I had continued to drink, mm. um, and how different my life would look. Um, I mean, I'm very good at pushing myself, but I wonder how how sustainable that would have been, obviously. Like, I just, and, like, how much more I would have been wrecked by pushing myself than I am. Mm. Like, I still have issues with balance, right? Work-life right. balance. Yeah. But most people do. And because <laughs> we're told to just labor until we die, right? <laughs> but I think about how, like, I've come to a place where at least I can, like, acknowledge those issues. And I, like, yeah. can deal with them and confront them daily and, like, handle them and talk about them. Whereas when I drank, I was constantly, like, masking everything that was happening. You know, and I was convinced it was all, you know, I could just like, it was like a haze. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, totally. Um, we're kind of starting at the end of your story. I <laughs> and I kind of like, I mean, I kind of like that. Like, I sent Jessica the questions earlier this week and then we kind of like looked over them. We were like, okay, we're just going to have a kiki. Like, we're just going to do this. And I feel like that makes the most sense, to be honest. Yeah. Um, as we're like in this big mama, like. She's hello gonna, I know I'm just like I should have oh. hugged her when I was telling that story because it actually brought I like haven't told that story in a long time and it brought back thank you for it made my body that. feel weird and I was like oh I haven't felt that feeling in a long time <laughs> yeah so. yeah it's a really um Jenny and I were talking about it ooh, on the ride up just like the idea that the body the body holds on to trauma like way longer than our maybe our minds do and um it's very strange it's very strange and um just this idea that like you're aware, but like not in control. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, you were 26 when that happened. And I feel like I often ask guests like, what was, when did you first start drinking? Cause it wasn't always Jessica in the hospital, not able to remember her name. No. Like it, it started somewhere else. Yeah. Um, 
my first like drinks were in high school. I think I was like 15 or 16 okay. with friends. I didn't, um, I was like kind of a shy kid in high school. You know, I didn't like go, I wasn't that kid that goes to parties a lot because I just didn't get invited to them. And that was fine with me. What? No. Oh my God. I, I feel like you're so popular. No. <laughs> But I had these, like, this handful of really close, tight-knit friends that oh, I, cool. like, cared deeply for. And we started drinking together. One of our friends was, like, more experienced and worldly. And so we mm. had this night where we were all going to drink together for the first time when I think we were, like, s- juniors, maybe? So how old would we have been, like, 15? Anyways, I can't really remember. But it was, like, maybe very 16? safe. And it was very comfortable. We had, like, banana rama or vodka or something. And we mixed it. With, like, Sprite or, at the time, a drink that I miss still to this day, Sprite Remix. Dude, does anyone know Sprite Remix on this live? Please tell me you do. Oh, I'm probably, it's, like, probably, like, way before your time. I mean. It's, like, like an older, it was, like, a thing that they had for a few years, and I used to adore it. It was just, like, it basically tasted like Sprite with Skittles in it. That's what it tasted oh, yeah. like. It was so good. I definitely tried Sprite Remix through my uncle who like collects kind of like vintage things. Oh. Yeah. So you're familiar with it. I'm this. familiar with yes. it. Yeah. I just cool. hope other people are. <laughs> also, if you're wondering what that little noise is, there are like three slash five yeah. dogs kind of like just at the door. Yeah. So I apologize. They're going to just keep pawing Yeah. There, it's okay. So. We have we have our mics. Yeah. Um, but so it was super safe. You had Sprite Remix. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And banana rum. And it was like kind of terrible, but kind of fun. And I just remember... Um, you know, your sister actually described it. I, when I watched her episode, I was like, that's how I felt. Like, mm. I just remember feeling like, oh, this is the person I want to be. I felt funnier. I felt more at ease. I felt like I was comfortable in my skin in yeah. a way that I just wasn't, especially at that age. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I want to do this. And it just felt easy. And, um, and it felt that way for a long time. It was never like, I didn't really get out of control, I feel like, in high school with it. Um, and then I went to, and then I went to college. Mm. <laughs> so, and I lived in this, um, really tiny dorm on the University of Georgia campus that no longer exists as a dormitory. It was only like four stories, which was very rare for the Weird. freshman dorms. And so again, it was a, like a very tight knit group of people. Um, and we used to, <laughs> oh God, we used to have like, hold tight. <laughs> Everclear Fridays. What the fuck? Where we'd bring like, I don't remember even how we got it, but we'd get like a bottle of Everclear and we'd all take shots of it. What, what Isn't that like a really high proof? I don't yeah, think I've ever like drank it. it's like a hundred proof. It's like Bacardi 151, except it's like even higher proof and it's like poison. It tastes like poison. I have I've drank it like mixed into jungle yeah. juice. Yeah. Usually that's what people do. They yeah. mix it with juice. You were just straight shooting. Yeah. We were wow. literally shooting Everclear and we used to do that like every Friday and that's when the blacking out started for me. Mm. Um, but I was also this person that could drink like excessively and mm. wake up fine the next morning. I had 8 a.m. glasses and I never like that first freshman semester that first semester I got like straight A's even though I was drinking like Everclear straight from a bottle every Friday so again there's sort of that high functioning like this isn't a problem because I'm doing fine right right (laughs) um that and that was mostly fine because I was with friends we weren't really going out downtown because we I again I would say maybe maybe we weren't the cool kids we were Mm. just like kids enjoying each other and having fun you know and that was perfect and it felt really safe um, and then that second semester, I think, is when things really took a downturn for me. Mm. I um, 
we continued like that sort of tradition of like drinking really heavily together, but we had new people come to the dorm and one of them ended up raping me one night and it was, it took me like five years to call it that because I was, uh, you know, all of the things that happen where you're convinced it's like your fault. I was drunk, you know, but you know, eventually I was like, you know, I was that drunk for like a year before that guy showed up mm -hmm. and I never got sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. So it was like really complicated for me for a long time, um, kind of acknowledging mm. what happened. But at the same time as me, like learning how to acknowledge it appropriately, I was also like basically engaging in behavior as a direct result that totally. revolved around drinking and sexual activity and all sorts of bad choices for years. So, yeah, I didn't like know that I had been um, sexually assaulted until like last year. And this was something that occurred like, yeah, like five or six years prior yeah. when I was drinking because I just didn't. I just don't think I think it. I just didn't even like realize, no. you know, and I didn't think like as a femme like person that it was even my place to articulate that. Right. And so just for people who are watching, like if you've experienced sexual assault, like please know you're not alone yeah. and um, please know that like, uh, yeah, we believe you. So, yeah. yeah. And it was, I mean, it, the, here's the crazy thing. Well, not the crazy thing. That's a terrible language to use. The thing that still confuses me, even when I think about it now is like, my family, I'd actually told my mom, because we had always had a very open relationship about this kind of thing. Like, she used to pick me up from parties, because she'd, like... Yeah. She'd, like, want me to be safe. So yeah. I'd call her, and she'd pick me up so I would get home safe, you know? Stuff like that. And so I told her what happened, and then I told, like, my two best friends, and or my three best friends at the time, and they... They all told me what happened. They all told me it was rape. You know, right. they were all like, it's not your fault. They all, they all said the right things. They did the right things. And I still, like, couldn't process it. I just, like, couldn't do it. And so that still boggles my mind because, like, I'm incredibly lucky to have the support that I have and have had for years. And it's still, like, amazing how much the cultural pressure and what we know – and like what we do in our society still impacts you sometimes more than those people that actually matter and actually know. Yeah. And do the right thing. So yeah, it's totally messed up. Yeah, <laughs> it's totally messed up. I definitely can identify. Thank you for sharing that. And like, I know that, um, just like talking about, uh, sexual assault and talking about trauma is not easy. And like, I know that I ask a lot of people who come on the show to do that kind of, um, colloquially and, yeah, part of it is also just, like, hearing you kind of talk about your experiences and then thinking about what it means for you to kind of act out of response to trauma. Um, like, I can identify with that, yeah. you know? Like, me just being like, I'm going to go have sex with, like, every person I see because, like, I don't care. And, like, maybe I'll grasp some semblance of control yeah. if I, you know, have sex with all these people that look like this person who assaulted me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, just, like, a deep kind of uh, looping mindfuck and... And to this day, you know, just to this day being like, what do I have to do to get out of my body instead of sitting and like being like, actually, maybe I can just be in my body. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I feel like drinking just like numbed it, just numbed my body. Yeah. I think, yeah, a lot of it was about <laughs> that for me. It's just like, I don't have to feel this way if I just keep drinking. Yeah. You know, if I just keep having, if I have this shot or have this drink and, you know, I went through these periods where I'd be like I don't want to black out but I want to drink mm -hmm. and I know I can do it <laughs> and that was never the case like that was never the case and um are you like a yes person 
Oh yeah. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. I also like love. I bartended for several years after that. Oh, you were probably amazing. I was a really good bartender. Like coyote ugly like, shit. Oh my like, god! It was and, like- and it was one of those kinds of bars in Athens, Georgia, where I went to school. Oh my gosh! It was like dancing on the bar, taking shots. We oh we god. invented these things called missiles, which was like caffeinated vodka in a Red Bull that we'd shotgun. Like it was bananas, <laughs> but we had fun and like and and like as probably unhealthy as a lot of that time was for me like it was also very helpful in many ways because I like learned to like love my skin a little bit more now some of that I think was like hazed by the alcohol right but there was still this whole like learning a little bit about how to feel empowered even if some of that wasn't totally legit and there, there's like this weird transitioning there that I think was almost like necessary mm-hmm. like even mm-hmm. though it was wild and totally unhealthy and like <laughs> I mean, and like, I like totally resonated with this thing where I'm like, I'm going to sleep with everybody I find attractive and flirt with everyone and like get into all sorts of trouble. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) no, but I really appreciate you saying that because so you didn't say this is kind of what I'm hearing. It wasn't all bad. No. Is what I'm hearing you say. Of course not. Yeah. Which is why you miss drinking when you're sober. (laughs) Yeah. And like also why drinking continues. Like if it was all like if Rome was constantly burning around me. I probably wouldn't be sitting there with a glass of wine being like, this is warm. Yeah. What a lovely fire. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Rome was only burning. Rome's kind of a weird example. Like shit was only like blowing up, <laughs> whatever. Like shit was only blowing up for like a little bit, you know, towards the end. And then I got out quick. I was like, let me get out of here. But yeah. yeah, it wasn't all bad. And so I think that that's maybe, maybe that's like kind of a taboo thing to say where it's like me being an active addiction honestly wasn't all bad. Most of it was me just trying to kind of play catch up like that tripping yeah. that I was discussing. But Absolutely. I, yeah. yeah. Like there's a level of weird high functioning that I think alcoholics that I know and the kind that I am where it's like y'all didn't even know I was an alcoholic until I got sober you know what I mean yeah like Uh, that's wild right yeah and I think you're right people don't talk enough about how it's not all bad which is what makes it so hard like yeah it's just yeah absolutely yeah and the way that I'm using bad here is like it's not all my life wasn't always falling apart and chaotic and mm-hmm. um, constant trauma, trauma, trauma. Like right. there were, there were like select. There were good times and good yeah. memories yeah. and like friendships yeah. and things and like developments that probably, yeah. that very much made me who I am today. Yeah. You know? 100%. So, yeah. Um, so in that, was there a point was it just that last night or was there a point when you were like, why are you laughing? You're smiling I, at me. I'm anticipating your question. That's all. <laughs> was there a point where I feel like everyone who watches this also probably knows what I'm going to ask, but was there a point when you're like, damn, like Jessica, this is not it anymore. I mean, there were many, like I was one of those pe- person, like people that would be like, I'm going to just stop drinking for three months or oh. six months mm. or whatever. Um, and it started while I was still bartending. And I remember there was this one period about two years in where I like didn't, I was a bartender who didn't drink for six months, Whoa. which I think the longest stretch. And I was like, after that, I was like, I'm good. But it was like immediately back to like, um, just like blacking out and like drinking so fast and so much. Um, but yeah, I mean the stories, the stories that I both remember fondly because they're funny now and like the things that happened were so wild. Like often those stories are also like, Oh my God, like that's not safe and that's Mm. not okay. Like there's this one story where I had like 10 car bombs in one night and I like kicked out my friend's mirror, like windshield in a blackout, rage again fighting 
probably self-defensively not knowing mm-hmm. where I was and trying to protect myself, which was like my instinct when I was super blackout, which frankly, I understand that instinct yeah. given what happened to me. And, um, and I had to pay for it. It was like $300, but you know, I was a bartender. So that was like, okay, that's one night of working in Athens. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. I'm sorry that happened. I also gave myself a black eye and my boss at my other job, cause I worked a couple of part-time jobs then thought I was like being abused by my boyfriend, which mm. was, uh, I think a lot, the worst stories actually for me are the ones where like my partners suffered because of what was going on, mm. you know, like, um, one of my like sort of boyfriends for the majority of college dealt with a lot of that and helped me work through a lot of the like sexual trauma but also like put up with a lot of shit (laughs) so like uh I was friends with all the cops because I was bartender they all you know they all like the bartenders and like and you have a great smile so that probably like won them all over yeah yeah and uh one of them like I was like running away from my boyfriend in like a drunken blackout and the cop like pulled over and like thought that he was chasing me and like almost arrested him and I had to be and I don't remember any of it but Mm -hmm. apparently I was like no 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 it's okay I just don't want him I just don't want to talk to him right Right. now (laughs) and I want to run and the cop gave us a ride home I don't remember any of it you know like I climbed up onto the roof of our apartment building one time and he had to like pull me down and I like hit him which is like the worst the worst thing because like I'm yeah so you know things like that yeah just, just being like terrible. reckless but yeah. also like running like yeah. it sounds like and and I brought this up on um or maybe I just brought this up in conversation but with Laura who was on one of the episodes just this idea of like running t- like running towards something or running away from something mm-hmm. and like for me that also that deeply was emotional like and I've said this a ton of times on the show where it's like I was constantly trying to feel something or I was constantly trying to feel nothing and I was usually waiting for one of those states to end Um, so that I could like grasp control and let just like jet propulse my way through the evening and into the day or whatever it was. And, and like a lot of that involved just being really physically reckless. Like my friend Ellie, um, who was my roommate, our senior year of college, I just like got blacked out one night with, uh, the acapella group that I was in and threw all of our living furniture out the window. Oh my gosh. And I was like, this is fucking fun. Like, and I just remember her getting home and I've made, made amends to her since then. And Ellie, I fucking love you. But, um, sorry, I did that shit. That was like, not good. I think I was also like fully painted. Cause I was like, let's just paint ourselves. And like, so I'm really identifying with this idea of like, almost like crawling out of your skin Mm -hmm. and like being drunk aloud that crawl to actually emerge. Yeah, absolutely. Ugh. Are drugs a part of your story? I don't know. No. About that. Yeah, no. I mean, it's, um, it's, um, again, I'm really, I think I was like aware of, like, I, it's hard to describe being so aware of the probability of me having a problem while still indulging it. But I was aware enough to also know that I have this a total, totally addictive personality, even now, like, I deal with addictive behaviors and so many other things I do, like the way I work, the manic behaviors I exude when I'm like not in a depression and Mm -hmm. I'm like in my studio or like working too many projects and things like that. Right. So I like never tried hard drugs. I was like, I knew if I ever (laughs) tried hard drugs, I'd be so fucked. I like, I was like, I can't do cocaine because who knows? I'll love it. And I'll, that'll kill me, you know, like I can't do, you know, and for a long time I didn't even try weed, but I do now actually eat edibles as a way of like helping with my anxiety and sleep. 
Here for it. So, and they're like the, that's like, I, I often say it's like the hardest drug I do is I'll eat a little edible and like get a nice little buzz going. And sometimes I don't like it because if it hits me a certain way, it feels like being drunk. Um, and what's that feel like to you? Uh, well, part of it's like enjoyable because again, I'm still a person who's a little bit too in my head and like all of that insecurity and all of those hesitations fall away. I'm, I still, yeah. I'm still convinced I'm funnier when I'm higher drunk. I'm still convinced that I like am able to be like snappier and more clever and things like that. And, and those are, those are traits I really admire in other people. And I'm, I don't think I'm, I think I'm a smart person. I think I'm funny unintentionally a lot, but I'm not like an intentionally funny person. <laughs> but when I'm like high or drunk, I would, I felt that way. And that mm. was like something I really wanted. Um, but if I get too into that feeling when I'm eating edibles, I actually start to get a little panicky because there's this sense like I'm indulging in the same kind of crutch behavior that mm -hmm. really um, feeds my addictive personality and the the need to like continue to fuel that uh, that masking like because yeah. that's not really who I am yeah so and I know that you know yeah. I'm aware of that so but mostly I, I just like I really chill out it's 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 really something I use mostly for like anxiety and um, sleep I don't sleep yeah. very well I never have so yeah <laughs> I know oh my god when I stopped drinking and then I started recalibrating how to how to sleep I started dreaming again and I'm like, fuck man, this is why I drank because like I have only nightmares and Manu, whose pants these are, who's on this show in one of the episodes, I remember telling them and describing them a few of my dreams and they were like, dude, those are nightmares. Yeah. Like those aren't like dreams and just this like, again, like not even being able to escape when I'm unconscious. Mm. Um, so yeah, I am in like full support of, yeah. of, I, I don't know. I haven't really talked about this on the show, but like, I don't really like classify alcohol and weed at all in the same category. You know, we can, we can run through the history of them another time, but, um, but yeah, as someone who really struggles with anxiety, um, and just like chatter, just a lot of chatter. Mm -hmm. I, I really wish that sometimes that chatter would just fall away more easily than me having mm -hmm. to kind of like pull it off like Velcro. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of really strict rules about how I indulge too mm -hmm. in the edibles because I don't want it to become this thing that I'm like relying on in the same way totally. that I used to drink. So totally. I get that. Yeah. I mean, I was, I feel like there was something I was going to say. I like, I only have nightmares too. <laughs> so I like, I don't, I don't sleep a lot. And then when I do have dreams, they're oh usually nightmares. It's terrible. And, uh, I just, uh, I've been trying to train myself to like remember dreams because I oh, know yeah. I'm dreaming. All of us dream. So I've been trying to like train myself to remember it. And it's such a wow. positive way to engage my sleep. That's kind of nice. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> Or is it just me who dreams, like, mostly about my exes? I don't dream a lot about my exes. What? I did, like, a survey last week. Because yeah. I was just like, fuck, man, another? Like, I'm good. And most people replied with that they dream about their exes, they dream about um, plane crashes, and they dream about their teeth falling out. Um, I've had the teeth falling out one, but really? I actually dream about people dying more than anything. Oh, okay. So, um, and I used to, we, we haven't really talked about this, but I used to have a pretty... Um, pretty like deep fascination and obsession with like not necessarily dying but like disappearing I think it's kind of tied to that feeling that you're talking about where you wanted to like not either experience something or not experience anything right, yeah. and like when I was younger I, I dealt with suicidal 
ideation and stuff. And then it kind of transformed over time, especially when I was drinking into sort of this like desire to just disappear and mm-hmm. less specific story, like less specific, like ideation. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a lot of things I did to like protect myself while I was drinking. Like I never drove drunk, which is, I think, cre- like just, that's one of us. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how that's possible. I also didn't really own a car in college, so it made it easy. I walked right. a lot. So, yeah. but you know, what I would do is I would like not wear a seatbelt. Like that would be my like, okay, if we get into a car crash tonight, maybe I'll die. Like, that was, like, the weird kind of way I would manifest this, like, desire to disappear, but only when I'd sort of been in the throes of a depression, which was often fueled more by drinking and things like that. I don't remember what I thought of that, but... No, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that those are the kinds of thoughts that we whisper about and not really look at each other in the eyes and be like, yeah, I think those too. Mm. I think all sorts of fucked up thoughts, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I know all of you guys who watch this show do or else you wouldn't be here on this show watching it. You know what I mean? Or listening to it. Like we all do, we're all human. And I, I'm wondering kind of me like, um, figuring out how to be sober and like being sober is just so fucking hard. I'm having a day where being sober is hard, right? I'm not going to drink, but it's just like being sober is hard. There's a lot of emotions. And part of that, that I think is wrapped up, which is connected to what you're saying is this kind of like, newfound awareness and therefore judgment of myself Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to be like zen and meditate and like be aware and accept myself you're in the first First year year, yeah so the first year is just such shit it's such shit it's such shit because you're like wait I stopped drinking I should feel better you're, that's what you, that's what I thought the whole first year. I was like, why do I feel like shit? I don't want to see anybody. I can't go out cause it's too hard. Yeah. At least for me it was. And I was like, and I just feel worse. And it's because like, oh, now that I'm not masking all of this feeling, I have to deal with all of this stuff. Yeah. And the first year is shit. And the second year is like almost worse because you're like, well, shouldn't I be it's like this, like, you're constantly like, shouldn't I be over this by now? Shouldn't it just be easy? And, um, you know, I'm able to tell a lot of these stories and joke in ways yeah. that I couldn't for a long time. And, um, you know, nine years. And, like, in yeah. 30 years, I probably won't even remember the stories. Maybe I will. But, you know. Hopefully you'll remember them so you don't drink again. Right? Well, that's an interesting conversation to have because I know a lot of people who stay sober for a really long time and then decide to drink again. Really? And that's a question that I often ask myself because mm. I think, um, one, I don't think I'm ready by any means yet, but I do wonder if like in five years, 10 years, will I feel differently? Will the will the things, I mean, alcoholism is in my blood and I do feel that there's no escaping that. Mm -hmm. But I also am coming to understand that alcoholism kind of exists on the spectrum, right? Totally. And so like, thank you for naming that. Yeah. And so like, is there a way that I've learned to engage with my behavior better, my trauma better, that I can like, just have like, a glass of champagne at my sister's wedding when she gets married. Mm. Is that a thing that's going to be possible for me? You're bringing up like really scary thoughts of mine. Right? No wonder we're wrapped up in this. Right? It's like, because that's the stuff you, because after you kind of get over the first shitty years where you're just like, I can't drink at all. I can't touch it. I can't look at it. I can't be around it. At least that's how I felt. Then you start to go, well, now I feel okay. Maybe I can just have the glass with these people because it's we're celebrating and then Mm -hmm. you go no 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 no. that's that's the lie we tell ourselves yeah that leads to 
the who knows what, right? And so then, but mm-hmm. now at this stage, I'm like, well, is it still a lie or is it, is it changed? Is it, like a lie? Is it is different? Is it a lie of a lie? Yeah. You know, like, what is it now? And so there's huge question marks for me. Like, my sister's getting married next year. Do I, and I would love to like, but then I'm like, well, why do I need champagne? I can have like, I love Martinelli's like sparkling yeah. apple cider. It's like the d- most delicious thing in the world. Yeah, I like, why are you a having a whole of- relationship yeah. with alcohol in your head before right? the wedding? The wedding's a year away. Right. And it's like, you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's because I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> Dude, I was talking to my sister who just celebrated three years of sobriety last week. I love you, Milan. I'm so proud of you. Um, I was just like on the phone with her having a having a moment and she was just like dude um like we as alcoholics are so gullible we're so fucking gullible for how we feel yeah and I was like I have never been more seen like wow and I never thought about it in those terms before because I'm like you cannot pull the wool over my eyes like I'm a smart bitch like you cannot mm-hmm. like you can't trick me like I'm the trickster you know like I'm the manipulator And the tragic, like, an ironic thing is, like, it's myself that's just constantly tricking myself Mm -hmm. um, into falling in love with alcohol and being like, no, that X needs to stay over there, you know? For me, there's just definitely not one. Like, if I have a drink today, I'm not just going to not drink tomorrow. Yeah. And then I'm just not going to not drink after that, you know? Yeah. There are some questions in the chat I've Oh, yeah, let's answer them because we're going to run out of time if we're not not quick. Okay. So the question was, how long did it take after stopping drinking for you to start feeling, quote, better? Um, The first year was shit, like I said, and I like couldn't, I didn't go out. And it was really hard because a lot of my friends and social life was centered on going out. And I was an artist too, so like going to openings and receptions and stuff was so hard. Um, Because, you know, those are actually really drink-fueled events. And if you have social anxiety when you're not drunk, you're like and you're also trying not to drink, it becomes this whole, like, test every time. So that became really hard for me. I'd say, like, it was, like, two years of that, really. Um, And then the third year, I figured out how to, like, manage all of that. And I would say it took three years for me to feel, like, better. Mm -hmm. And that's when I also started really confronting my sexual assault and some other things. And so, like... In some ways, my ability to handle, like, dealing with that stuff took yeah. took about that long, but also became a way for me to also feel better just all over. Not just, like, yeah. I'm not drinking. I'm also, like, dealing with my shit. Yeah. And, um, and I didn't go through a program. So, like, I think that's important to say. Like, I had incredible support from my family. Mm-hmm. Like, they actually had tried an intervention, like... <laughs> Year, oh my god! Like a that year show. Before I quit. Oh my god! It was horrifying. I like everyone in the living I, room. Yeah, oh, Jessica. It was. We're it worried was, about you. And they had like invited my boyfriend, and he like was like, "Please don't feel betrayed by me." And I was like, "I do." And Bitch, I was I'm really fucking betrayed. Angry, but I was also like, I felt really loved too in that moment, even though I was like, I have no problems. <laughs> it was so messed up. Interventions are weird. It's hard because it's your, it's your people I, telling you they love you, but they're also saying like you need to fucking like, like own this shit. <laughs> So. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So you were saying you didn't go through like a twelve step program? No, or I didn't do. A, I tried. I went to a couple meetings and I like sort of liked them, but I didn't really feel it was for me. So I really just like white knuckled it. Yeah, and, they're, they look pretty good now though. But it was hard sometimes. Like I definitely sometimes wish I had more of a sober like network than I did. Yeah. So, but my family was really like, I could talk to them about anything. And I have a couple of friends who like stayed with me mm-hmm. once I got sober mm-hmm. that are still like huge parts of my life. And like on my sober birthday, I thank them every year because they're like, 
I was like, you guys could have abandoned me when I was drinking and you didn't. You yeah. didn't abandon me when I got sober. And I'm also like a person who's always like failing as a friend. Not failing. That's terrible language to use. No, I am no, a here. very busy. Instead, I was like, I am a very busy person and I pet. am not always good about managing my time yeah, in that's my okay. relationships. That's totally and okay. We're human. Yeah, but I have friends who understand that about yeah. me and are really cool about my it. My friends understand that so. about me too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I think those are important things to know. Like I did it really differently than I would necessarily suggest to anybody else. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's okay. You can do things <laughs> differently. Um someone who I love very dearly and who's been like really kind of critical and helping me stay sober often reminds me that it's not, they said like, it doesn't fucking matter how you feel. It's what you do. Mm. And that has really kind of guided me as I'm like in mid panic attack, like calling my best friend and like losing my shit and running to a pool and like trying to like, like just trying to go like, you know, like that opening in the movie. I don't even know what like, company that is but you know it's like thx or something and it's like and like the movie th- do you know? oh that sound that like the sound, theater sound the, the theater sound of just like everything like, like yeah like yeah. i want that and i can't get that from alcohol anymore so i try to do that and yet it's like not about how i feel ultimately for me to stay sober it's like about not bending my elbow like it's about not picking up a drink it's about mm-hmm. not being like wow that line of coke looks really good right now you know it's about being like, you know what? You can make it through your emotions and you don't have to drink through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's so cool that you did, you've been doing that for nine years. As a, as a parent, oh, yeah. you had a kid in sobriety? Well, parent, okay, yes, I did. And like wow. parenthood, this, is, this would require like another like half hour or something, but parenthood yeah. in sobriety, especially for women and this culture of sort of like mom drinking is like very weird for me to Let's navigate. do a special episode. I would you want to do that? I would happily. Sorry, do I just like put no, that on yes, you. No, okay. yes. I would happily because I think it's very interesting okay. and very weird and very like I get it, but I also am like, really? That's like what we we I'm fall back on as parents. It's like, yeah, my toddler's birthday. Yeah, Rose. it's like there's a whole like it's very interesting to me. Yeah, so let's do that. Like like play dates where like moms just like drink together. And, like, that's very normal and very much a part of, like, parenthood mm. life, especially if you're, like, a stay-at-home mom or you work from home with your child, which is, like, what I do and mm. stuff like that. So it's a whole thing. Okay, that's actually well, probably been the biggest challenge in the past, like, the recent years. Is yeah, like, please. Or, like, I was pregnant and everybody was like, can you wait to drink again? And I'm like, I didn't drink before I got pregnant, you guys. Wow. <laughs> it's like everyone's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, how is it? And does your husband drink? So I'm at yeah. like, does, has your husband seen you drunk? Um, no, because we met wow. after I was sober and he, that's fucking we, wild. Well, we, he's a sommelier when we met, oh. uh, which is also wild, which is a person who like specializes in wine studies and like recommends the wine bottle at the yes. restaurant. I thought stuff. I was that when I was drinking. Yeah. <laughs> no, he like, but he, that was like, we met in the food industry, which is of course another space where drinking is yeah. a huge part of the that's culture. Insane. But yeah, um, he's never seen me drunk. And a lot of people who know me now in my life have never seen me wasted. And it's like kind of bizarre because I feel like there's a whole nother Jessica they never met. I feel that so hard. Yeah. Can I like hold your hand on that? Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. Like I feel like there's this whole other version of me that so many of you haven't seen and so many of you don't see because I'm sober right now. And so I'm always just like a little scared of myself. Because I know what I'm capable of. Yeah. But the people that I really love in this moment, like, haven't seen that played out. Yeah. And part of me, it almost makes you feel a little like you're lying or like you're unworthy. Because there's like this whole person 
that I know is a part of who I am and who I was. And like not knowing that person is probably better for everybody, but it's also like, it, it makes you feel like you're lying a little bit. It's like such a weird feeling, you know, but also I'm like very glad that she's like a part of my past. It's almost like she's an ex, right? Yeah. I know. I've been thinking about changing my name, not to like share that on the show, but I just feel like Marina is, is like of the past in a Mm. sense. Well, when I turn 50, I'm going to start going by my middle name, which is Ruth. Ruth. Mm-hmm. Why 50? That's when I'm going to just like do whatever the fuck I want because I'm an old lady. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> Jessica literally already does what the fuck she wants and she does it so good. Um, we are, we're like really at the hour, which yeah. I kind of can't believe. Um, I guess the question that I ask guests that I'm trying to ask guests is, even though you're going to come back on the show and we didn't even talk about your art. We haven't even like really talked about your art. You can look it up. I'm at Zinka Project on uh, yeah, Instagram. Yeah, at Zinka Project. And also, um, <laughs> I'm having my, like, uh, thesis show at the at gallery. At Good News Arts. Marina at Good News Arts I know. in November. Scorpio, Sagittarius. Dude, Valley. I can't wait. <laughs> so, thank you for that hype. Yeah, yes! literally, fly to Florida, everyone. We're going to do a live Sober Baby episode. But um, the reason that I'm even mentioning that is because I'm going to drop all of your information and all of your, like, handles and everything and... Um, and yeah, like, w- I feel even like weird wrapping this up. I don't even know how to wrap this up. Basically, I'm just like wondering, you're nine years sober. Like what, I would usually say, what would you tell to like your former self? But mm-hmm. from like sober person to sober person, like what would you tell to your first year sober self? It's really going to get better. It really is. Like it sounds cheesy yeah. and it's like the one step at a time thing. Yes. But it's like, it does eventually, if you just if you just do that thing where you don't bend your elbow, you just like Mm. do the thing, even no matter how you feel, eventually it does get a little bit easier. Mm. Yeah. I'll hold on to that. Yeah. Thanks for being on sober baby. Thank you for having me. I love being here. Yeah. Mm. I like that. Like big mama's like, I know. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you everyone for being here. And, uh, yeah. Join us next week, Friday at five. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Marina, the host and creator of Sober Baby. Hang out until after the credits for cringy and cute selections from behind the scenes. To listen to all of our episodes, watch the live show each week, and to support Sober Baby, head to our link tree, l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e backslash Sober Baby. Thank you to all of our patrons for helping make this show possible. My college cutie Miranda DeMaze Nordling for music direction, curation, and licensing through Now Again Records. Queen of Crochet Jenny Alpa for audio engineering. My partner Danny Vargas for the endless support and love. And all of the sober babies out there because without you, this doesn't happen. Hi, Aria. Can you tell, tell everyone your name? My name's. Uh. It's okay. Hey! Well, now Arya's in the <laughs> It's hilarious. That's great. There, now we're all three in the picture. See? It we feels might good. Just-